0: Chapter twenty nine begins the set of prophecies about Mitzrayim, and again, the fact that we have a set of prophecies against Mitzrayim is hardly surprising, given the place of Mitzrayim in the formation of the Jewish people in the Torah. Given the fact that within the Book of Yechezkel itself, on more than one occasion, Yechezkel recalls the experience in Mitzrayim, he talks about. The misbehaviors in Mitzrayim, the promiscuity of Mitzrayim in the days of the youth of the nation, and that's carried forward even after they encounter other nations, that same behavior stays with them. We know, of course, that in the book of Yirmiyahu, at the end of the book of Yirmiyahu, the people go to Yirmiyahu after the assassination of Gedaliah. And they go down to Mitzrayim. They speak to Yermio. They ask his advice. Should we go down or not? Let's see what God has to say. Whatever God tells you, we will listen. God is very clear. Do not go back to Egypt. Don't go backwards. Going back to Mitzrayim is going backwards. Nothing good will come of it. Yermio so informs them. At the end of the book of Yermiyahu, and of course they refuse to listen, and according to the account in the book of Yermio, they go down to Mitzrayim, And they take Yirmiyot with them as well. So, it's not surprising that Mitzrayim plays a very central role. And we have the prophecies about Mitzrayim. And actually, there's something else about Mitzrayim. Apart from everything that I mentioned, there's something else about the experience of the Jewish people and Mitzrayim. And that is that the, the nation that exiles the Jewish people is Babel, the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, and the book of Yermayahum details for us the complicated relationship between Judah on one hand, the kings of Judah, and Babel on the other. Because Babel is emerging as a great power, and Babel challenges the two great powers that precede Babel as the great power, one of which is Assyria. Ashur, and the other one is Mitzrayim. And throughout the book of Yirmiyahu, it's clear that the kings of Judah who contemplate rebelling against the Babylonians believe that the Egyptians are going to assist them. They rely upon Mitzrayim to assist them should they choose to rebel against Babylon. Now, Yirmiyahu Counsels them always not to rebel against Bavel, don't go that path, don't rely on Mitzrayim, they're not going to help you. But of course, the kings refuse to listen to Yirmiyahu, with the very dire consequences. And here in chapter twenty nine, in the prophecies against Mitzrayim, beginning in chapter twenty nine, the one of the reasons given for the anger against Mitzrayim is found in chapter twenty nine. Verse number 6, after describing what's going to happen to to Egypt. Verse number 6, So, the inhabitants of Egypt shall know I am the Lord. You were a staff of reed to the house of Israel. Mish'enet Mishanatkanah is an expression that appears in the beginning of the book of Yeshayahu. You are a weak read. You are not really supportive. You said you would support. People rely on you. And you always disappoint. So that's the criticism here in chapter 29 of Mitzrayim. And the reason given that there will be dire consequences for Mitzrayim. But apart from that, there's something else here in the beginning of chapter 29, which recalls for us the prophecy about Tsar. And that is, Yicheskel is commanded to prophesy about Mitzrayim. And in verse number 3, Dabar v'yomarta ko amar Hashem melokim, hini olecha paro meloch Mitzrayim, hatanim ha harovets haroveits betok asher amar, ri ani asitim. So God says, I'm going to deal with you, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, mighty monster, sprawling in your channels, who said, the Nile is mine. I made it for myself. I made it for myself is the translation here. I have created it. So what's interesting is that here, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt is described as someone who claims that the Nile is his and that he is the creator. Ani asitini. I made it. Which, of course, recalls for us the previous prophecies concerning Tsar. There, too, was interesting, the focus is on the waters. The great Tanin, right? The great monster. The Tanin in the Torah is, of course, the serpent, and parallel to the snake. So in each of these cases, The crime is someone who sets himself up as God's equal. Not a human being, but a God. And for this reason, Yechez was to call out Mitzrayim, and specifically Paro. He's going to be trapped. He's going to be taken out of the yard. In verse number (laughs) 4, I'm going to put hooks in your jaws and make the fish of your channels cling to your scales. I will haul you up from the channels with all the fish of your channels clinging to your scales. So there's going to be an attack upon Paro, which takes place in the Yar. It reminds us very much of the plagues. The first plague, of course, is the plague of blood. The waters of the Nile turn to blood. Then we have the plague of the frogs. And the Nile was seen as, and was in fact, the source of power. There are a few famines in Egypt because there's always water. So Pharaoh sees himself very much as the creator, the Lord. And that's the critique of Pharaoh and the punishment that will fall upon Pharaoh and also upon Mitzrayim. Now, what's interesting in this chapter is that at the end of the chapter, it describes what's going to happen to to Egypt. Egypt will be desolate. And then at the end of the chapter, there are two interesting features about chapter 29. Firstly, we are told in chapter 29, verse number 13, that after 40 years, says God, I will gather the Egyptians from all the places that they have been scattered. So there's a promise that after 40 years, they'll be brought back to the land. 40 years is the number of years that strikes us as very interesting the years of the desert. Now, they won't be fully restored to their prominence. They will be brought back as a lowly kingdom, but they will be brought back. That's the first interesting feature. There's a prophecy of restoration concerning Mitzrayim. And now we come to the end of chapter 29, beginning in verse number 17. barishon <laughs> ha'yadvar in the twenty seventh year, it's not clear twenty seventh year from when, but the word of God came comes to Yeheskel. Ben Adam, Nevuchadretz Amelch Bavel, Hevided Chelo Avodah Gedolah Eltzar, Korosh Mukrach V'Chokatech Mutah, V'Sachar Lo Hayalo U'Chelo Mitzar, Ale Avodah She'Avad Oleha. So Yeheskel is told. That king of of Babylon made his army expend vast labor on Tyre. Tsar, every head is rubbed bald and every shoulder scraped. But he and his army have had no return for the labor he expended on Tyre. They have not been fully successful. Which seems to run up against what it said earlier about Tsar. They will be not a nenu. Here it says they very much are. So God says to Yeheskel, "There's a consolation prize for Nebuchadrezzar. It's called Nebuchadrezzar in the, in the not Netzar, but Rezzar. Same person. I'm going to give him Egypt as a consolation, and it will be a, a recompense of his army. <speaking in Hebrew> for what they did for me." They fought against Tyre. They fought against the other nations. They didn't destroy Tyre. They were not fully successful. So, as a consolation prize, the land of Egypt. Now, there are two things that are very interesting about that statement. First of all, it suggests that the earlier prophecy of Yesco is not 100% accurate, which is very interesting. It also further links Mitzrayim and Tsar, which is I think a very important point: the description of Tsar, the description of Tyre, will once again emerge through the prophecies about Mitzrayim, and we'll see this how the some of the themes of Tsar reemerge, reappear in the Mitzrayim prophecies, and then the larger question is: what is that all about? Actually, how does that fit in with the larger message of Sefer Yeheskel? So we'll see as we continue with the Prophecies Against Egypt, chapters 30, 31, and 32.